Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's football on a bench, coast to coast, in the biggest way possible. Hanging out. The bad seed of Bucanada, bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad attitude, bad taste, bad luck, bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are chilling the most in the Pharrell Palatial, right across the river and through the woods from where Grandma likes to have her Jameson and Ginger every evening with a little bag of potato chips in New York City. The Big Apple. Ooh. People dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do it. All my friends that come around, fight to fight to party up. Rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, this town's a tatter. My brain just splattered all over Manhattan. Should you be shaking out? Ooh. All right, bro, with you, Rick Haro, our sports business and legal insider from Harvard, is with us again on Coast to Coast. Mr. Haro, how are you today? Do you think it, when I'm older and wiser, that'll ever be able to replicate what you just did. How many brain cells do you lose when you go through that every day? Uh, I've lost a lot of brain cells over the years, Rick, uh, but nothing compared to some of the shows I've been watching lately. Let me uh, incorporate. I want to incorporate some of that into the show here today. So I have been watching, uh, as you know, in these desperate times, uh, and I, you know, revert to desperate measures. So I have been watching desperate people on television. I have been binge watching a couple of strange shows. One, my strange addiction. Two, uh, old interventions. Now, I really enjoy these shows because I find out how less of a freak I am compared with what I'm seeing on my television screen. So I have seen a number of crazy things happen on these shows. In fact, uh, just the other day, I watched a girl. Uh, she was addicted to smoking meth. And uh, then she uh, she took her game to another level and decided to start shooting meth. I watched a woman lose her children because she enjoyed smoking crack. Then I watched a woman lose a husband, two kids, and six boyfriends because she drank a handle of vodka every day, six beers, and two boxes of wine. And to top it off, she smoked five packs of cigarettes a day. And what's inspiring? It inspires. Listen, what's worse was she was good looking. And I have no idea how she maintained a hot look and body uh, in those circumstances. I also uh, saw a guy 
uh, have a meth problem in Canada, and he had uh, to get his meth, he had to sell his body. Uh, so he became a prostitute on the streets of Toronto. I have now seen it all. And then I laid out on my back deck in the sunshine in 55 degree North Jersey weather. And I believe if you look closely, I look fantastic. And I think I may be getting a tan and I am not shooting meth in my arm. Well, I, I'm not sure how close we have to look before we ordain that you look fantastic. But we'll leave that alone. But by the way, in your opening sermon slash dialogue slash monologue, a little upset because you remember all of the ongoing uh, events in the world as soon as the lockdown started. Right. I started this is day 24, and I'm already starting to name the insects in here, and there's not even a commentary about how good or bad I look. Listen, I was going to get to that later, Chris Kringle. I just wanted to save it for a different segment of the show. But if you want to get it out of the way now, we can do all that. You didn't mention my new backdrop here. I look fantastic in my, uh, it's almost like, I don't even know, is that royal blue? What do I got going here? It's royal blue, but just in case people forget where you are, it says New York City about 113 times. So good for you. Well, um, the last picture I had of uh, the Wall Street area and lower Manhattan and a giant steeple sticking out of my uh, head, I had people calling me alfalfa. But I will say this, at least you changed your shirt this week. Yeah, no, 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 no. This was uh, every three weeks. So next week, uh, you'll get used to this uh, blue. No, no, no. We're going to change every day because we're going to have tw uh, day 29. And I'm afraid given some of the stuff in our coronavirus clearinghouse, if we're waiting for live sports to start, we may have the beard down to the floor. I hope that's not true. So we'll do you uh, do you leave your home in uh, Jupiter, Florida to go anywhere, I uh, to the grocery store or otherwise, do you wear a mask? And then I just wanted to say that I try to leave as little as possible uh, I literally never leave my house except to go running three miles every morning. But I will say this, that uh, I have only had one tank of gas for the last month and have not used it at all. And I literally have saved all kinds of money. Well, but the key is, by the way, to empty that tank. And apparently gas is going to be like under a buck. So go drive somewhere and then go fill it up and figure out how to make money on the VIG. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> on Sports Grid. Uh, Haro dropping in the vague reference, uh, getting involved in betting in, in high order. All right, so uh, we had April Fools go by, and there are some, believe it or not, experts that have started predicting uh, that we will be without sports, listen to this, for the rest of the year. I mean, what could be worse than, than sticking that out there for people to chew on? You can watch your dysfunctional shows through December. Now, Jared Evans, who is a researcher at Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory, sends out the clarion call that this may be through the end of the year. I'm hoping that anybody with the title of applied researcher and at Johns Hopkins has got to be wrong. I mean, we got to be wrong. So we don't really know is the bottom line. And we don't know now, like we didn't know before, the speculation might be non-contact sports like 
uh, NASCAR, ironically not a non-contact sport, but for these purposes, or tennis or golf or beach volleyball, come back with no spectators, then a couple months later back with spectators, then a couple months later uh, it's okay. It affects different people differently. I was just on the phone with the brain trust of minor league baseball, and you can play major league baseball potentially with no fans in a stadium for a little while because of the media contracts. But with minor league baseball, the lifeblood of that is attendance. People come to see their team. And if you open the stadium up and you don't have anybody in there, there's really no TV revenue to support it. So we'll talk about that every week. But it affects different industries different ways. So public, uh, this is the Washington Post. Public health leaders indicate that fans and leagues should prepare for sports to um, remain absent, not just for the coming months, but into next year. Uh, it jeopardized the baseball and soccer seasons as possible. The rest of 2020 uh, sports calendar, including college football and NFL, also will be lost. According to the Post, they interviewed your boy Jared from the uh, Hopkins U Applied Physics Laboratory. People that work in the Applied Physics Laboratory are the same kind of people that you used to go drinking with at Harvard on Friday nights. And those people are smarter than us. So he said, from my point of view and based on the data, I'm a huge sports fan, so this is really hard. I can't really predict or truly speculate. We need, as a population, to be prepared for anything and to be prepared for that disappointment. So in layman's terms, if you were a Big Ten student like I was and not a advanced physics or Harvard student, what that means is disappointment. I know what that means. Disappointment means is that prepare yourself to see a shrink. Yeah, I'm already seeing the shrink. Or make sure you move to the lowest floor of your building just in case you want to say, I've had enough. Now, for me, my life revolves around the second floor. So if I hurl myself off the building, I may break a leg, but I ain't going to end it. And so the good thing about all of this is it's bringing some people closer together. We'll say later on in the show, in all seriousness, the philanthropic efforts. We ought to save that for every week because every week continually amazes me about how people are doing good. I'm just ready to get back to the old days when we're thinking about sports, the good news, I thought we're waiting for October when we have all the sports simultaneously trying to squeeze as many events as they can in for TV. And it's a watcher's paradise. Now we find out the British Open, not postponed, but canceled. So this year, if we have the full season, we're going to have three majors and not four, assuming we come back when we want to come back. But the bottom line now we're watching Let's think about those waves where you were thinking about flattening the curve. That's a great argument. But now we're talking about waves. How are we going to come back as the season cools down? We have it again. We have it again. I don't even want to think about it. Okay, so uh, let's talk about, uh, just uh, while we're on this, the British Open that you had mentioned. Because, um, as you know, that's my favorite major, bar none. Now, I know most people, 90% of people say the Masters, which would be going on right now. But I actually believe that Lynx golf is the way it's meant to be played, old school style. The Open Championship is the greatest major, hands down. It humiliates golfers. It brings them to their knees. It shows that they can play the same way we play, struggling and suffering, throwing clubs and swearing. Uh, now, you have played all of those golf courses in right. 
uh, over in the UK and in Scotland and in Ireland. You have played all of them, Royal St. Andrews, all of the courses. So tell people what it's like to go over there and actually play those uh, courses where they have the Open Championship. It is like a continual walk through a forest with a couple of holes occasionally there. If you don't hit the ball high and you kind of worm burn it, you're going to go really well because there's roll and roll and roll and roll and more roll. The way the Open is working this year, however, is if you saw, they're going to play at, uh, at, in, uh, at the place they were going to play this year, next year. But St. Andrews, everybody was excited about the 150th. They were going to do it for 2021. I've already got my travel packages for next year, but they bumped St. Andrews to 2022. So there's a profound effect for everybody. What I'm hoping, if we get Links Golf, is the Ryder Cup will be scheduled this year. It's at the end of September. It's supposed to be at Whistling Straits. That is a great course. You ought to go up there with me and we'll see it. There are sheep there in the first hole and you've got to hit the ball over the sheep. We know how much you like sheep, so it would be a really nice course for you. Yes, uh, I have been known, as you know, to uh, chase sheep on the golf course with my club when things aren't going well. So uh, they have actually, uh, you know, you talked about it. Uh, it's going to be, so it was supposed to be at Royal St. George's, right? So now they've moved it. it that's where it'll be next year, and then you're saying they're going to move it. Uh, everything will move one year ahead. That is correct. So 150, uh, you know, they, they were everybody was excited about St. Andrews, uh, which is a wonderful place to watch the event. You have a house that's right next to the first tee. They'll do it. The appetite will have to be held for 2022 instead of 2021. The schedule looks like the Masters probably the first week in November, which is unbelievable. They got the U.S. Open. They've got the PGA going to Harding Park. They may have the U.S. Open on the West Coast sometime this end of the year. Football's got to worry about that schedule because you got uh, uh, CBS and and. Uh, so wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're telling me that they so the wing foot is out and they're thinking of moving the uh, U.S. Open to somewhere in the West Coast where like uh, Pebble or Torrey Pines or something like that. Pebble or Torrey Pines, and so. The idea of having the event at Wingfoot um, is possible, but not likely today. And I'm looking at the statement from the PGA. The November 9 is the tentative date from the, for the Masters. The U.S. Open may be later in the year uh, at the West Coast. Torrey Pines, the U.S. Open, um, Whistling Straits, the Ryder Cup, uh, Royal St. George's, September 17 to 20. Uh, would be the British, but now that's been canceled. And so the Ryder Cup will be our Lynx golf, assuming we're back to where golf ought to be uh, at the end of September. And who knows? Again, who knows with all of this, but the schedule is flexible. A month ago, we were talking about all four majors. Today, we're talking about three. And again, the whole issue, remember last time, postponement versus cancellation. It is interesting. We have Wimbledon canceled. We have the British canceled. So the two biggest events over in England for 2020 will now not happen at all. And we return to life again in 2021. 
All right. Uh, respectfully, I have three minutes. Tell me about the Tiger Phil match with Brady and Peyton Manning and allegedly Chuck Barkley doing the uh, TV commentary all from a different location, but that this would be played uh, in Florida. Is that going to be at like uh, your place, uh, you know, at PGA National? Where are they going to have that event? I think it'll be more private, and I have heard a couple of ideas. I will be able to give you seriously some scoops next week because I'm going to check the ones that I think are the logical ones, and I don't want to say it unless I know it to be a little bit more of a fact. But they're going to also have participants from the PGA, the NFL, the NBA, and a whole lot of other places. Where would you guess, like uh, TBC, uh, Sawgrass? Where would you guess? A little farther north. Uh, Old Memorial over in Tampa, which is kind of a cool course. Concession over in Bradenton, Sarasota, which is another cool course. There are clubs on the other side here, like MacArthur or Medalist, which is where Tiger usually hangs out, or Floridian. Uh, All of those courses are in St. Lucie County, about 35, 40 minutes from me. Uh, My sense is it's not going to be one of those kind of public courses because they're not going to have any public, and if they do... They want to have them kind of sneak in, and they're just going to be family members. But it'll be Mickelson, Brady against Woods and Manning. Barkley will show off his pathetic swing. And, again, people will watch anything. They're going to watch the entire event, and they're going to bet on the event. No, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I heard that uh, Barkley will just be the analyst on TV, that he's not going to play because he uh, his golf game is, uh, I mean, it's garbage. It is garbage, but remember, he is a uh, come go to uh, must uh, see every celebrity golf tournament because his swing is so terrible. Do you and I both agree that Barkley's a better athlete than all this and that he's faking that lousy swing just to get sympathy? I mean, that's what you do. Uh, I think that uh, he knows that uh, he he's run into the window with it. He just knows that when he's on a golf course, he's like Bill Murray. It doesn't matter what Bill Murray does on a golf course. If he shows up with a funny hat on, he's going to get the most attention. And if Barkley shows up and starts swinging, he's going to get the attention that he so craves. Well, I know respectfully we're running out of time, but, you know, you shoot these 30-footers. You're a good athlete. You tell me you're a good athlete. But then I see you on the golf course, and your swing is is worse than miserable, and you can't be that bad. Listen, you can try to sell your nonsense to the public about my golf swing, which is a beautiful swing. I mean, listen, when I lived in California, and just like you living in that sunshine, when I lived in uh, Southern California, I golfed five, six days a week. I would have beat your ass like no tomorrow on the golf course. We're going to come back with Rick Haro and talk more about all of his lies and innuendos about uh, golfing. And uh, we do it all on Coast to Coast on SportsGrid. So go with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. 
And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Coast to Coast. All right, so, you know, the PGA has said uh, that they are still planning to stay at Wingfoot, but I think that's, like, uh, forward thinking. They're, like... Uh, planning, obviously, that's a, a gigantic uh, risk to guarantee that you're going to still stay there. Now, it's a great golf club, and my buddy's there, and he will not be associated with me at all uh, when it comes to taking me to that place. He doesn't even know me, but I can tell you that he's a member, and it's just a fantastic place, and they should have the U.S. Open there. They've had it there before. It's a great place, but this is about uh, a you know Pharrell Demick virus that is absolutely dominating the world, and I can guarantee you, in my view, if they move it, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Based on no one knows uh, what's going to happen in you know the summer and in in late summer, Indian summer into September, we don't know. There's people talking about no sports for the rest of the year. Well, then how the hell are they going to have a U.S. Open at Wingfoot? Especially, let me just say, let's not forget it's in New York, where it's the number one state in America for the coronavirus at this point. It's had the most deaths and everything else. Not to be Debbie Downer, but I do not believe that you can use forward thinking and guarantee or make you know prognostications that you're going to have something in September when you don't know if you can go to the grocery store next week. Yeah, well, let's remember this, and that's why I was a little fuzzy about the scheduling answer for the tour. There are definite dates, but they're all tentative. And so there's aspiration. Everybody would like to think you get back as quickly as you can. We'll talk about it, about the other leagues and Trump having his call with the commissioners. We'll do that in a minute. But, you know, the bottom line of all of this is that Everybody wants to get back as soon as they can. Now we have these issues about waves of virus maybe coming back. And it's nice to know that we're trying as hard as we can to have it at Wingfoot, but it's by no means guaranteed. All right. So let's go all the way back to when you were talking about, um, you know, golf, tennis, motorsports and, and baseball coming back as TV only events. The one I want to talk about is the. Um, you know, these virtual sports. We've yeah. talked about it before. We talked about iRacing and all that stuff uh, last week. Now, the story that I found interesting, and I don't know the guy's name, uh, but they showed this guy that had, uh, he was a, a Grand Prix racer, and he uh, was paralyzed in a Grand Prix race. And I believe it was uh, at Pocono, actually, where he crashed. And his car was just literally evaporated into thin air. And all that was left was this little chassis. And somehow this guy was alive. And he uh, was paralyzed from uh, the waist down and will never walk again, allegedly. 
uh, with medicine today and doctors and the sophistication, uh, we've seen things like Ryan Shazier get up and walk. So I'll believe nothing until uh, the guys in the ground that they can't uh, get people to walk again, believe it or not, that have had these kind of horrific accidents. But they actually put this guy, I saw the story on ESPN, they put this guy in a virtual uh, simulator Grand Prix race car. And he talked about how they train that way because it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to race, to practice even in a Grand Prix uh, car on a track. It costs half a million dollars just to go for a couple hours and train because you got to pay for the track, all the engineers, all the uh, mechanics, all the pit crew, everything, tires, gas, everything. It's a very expensive proposition. So they do it all in simulators. And so the guy got really good in a simulator as a, as a racer. And then when he was paralyzed and he finally was able to get into a simulator when he was, uh, you know, ready, they put him in a simulator. Guy can't move at all, but he can move his hands and his and his uh, and he can move his head and everything. He can do all that and he can talk and he's totally vibrant and alive. And this guy has literally uh, gotten back to racing. And the my point is, is that virtual racing is becoming extremely popular with NASCAR and IndyCar and Formula One, which is what he is, a Grand Prix driver. And this guy, he finished in the top 10 in a race over the weekend I was watching. And can you imagine the thrill in that guy's life to not be able to walk? And now he's racing virtual racing tours. Uh, against the best drivers in the world. Again, he's racing against his peers that he used to race against. That is really a great story. Heroic and uh, a, a, a small inkling of what's to come. You know, Mark Miles, who's been a good friend, he's the CEO of the uh, Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway and has survived the transition from the Holman family to the Penske family, they bought the place and was ready to have a major coming out at the end of May, Memorial Day weekend, for the Indy 500. Now it's going to be August 23, they say, and it's going to be a tribute to the first responders, not our troops. That's great, too. But one of the things that Mark Miles said a year ago was, man, one of the things I really want to have opportunities to change is get more involved in e-racing, i-racing, because everybody that has a phone who is a race fan has pl practiced or played in these arcade drives, uh, driving things when they were growing up, and some are good and some are not, but everybody can relate to it. So it's not just this driver that's a tremendous story, but it's everything else that's happening in racing now. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm not afraid, but it is one of the side benefits that the key success story in all of this is esports, iRacing, and some of the major things that five years ago, we didn't even call it a sport, but now it's dominating. So the guy's name is Robert Wickens. He's a right. Canadian Formula One racer that was paralyzed, and I had it right. He was the 2018 IndyCar uh, Rookie of the Year. The guy can flat out drive, and he was injured uh, in a Pocono Raceway accident, August of 2018, that left him paralyzed. And now he's e-racing. He's done other stuff, too. He got in the, um, I guess, he led the parade lap in a car fitted with hand controls before the uh, Indy Auto Race in Toronto of uh, July of last summer. So how about this guy fighting his way back and getting into a simulator and, and i-racing? Robert Wickens, I think that is just phenomenal. That's, I think that's one of the coolest things I've seen since this whole thing started. 
coolest thing. And hopefully he gets some endorsements. By the way, he had a lot of endorsements. He was, as you said, the rookie of the year. He was a big success before that August 18 accident in Pocono. And I think he's going to be a big success now. He's very articulate and he's heroic. So tell me about uh, what the uh, Rick Haro, our sports business and legal insider from Harvard with us on Coast to Coast, about what uh, the president did with all the commissioners. Well, you know, here's a list of commissioners he had. He had the WNBA, MLS, Rob Manford of baseball, Gary Bettman, Vince McMahon, Dana White, Roger Penske, Mike Wan of the LPGA, Roger Goodell, Adam Silver. And basically what he did is he convened all of these guys and said, we got to bring it back. We really want to have spectator events in stadiums and arenas. Now, to be fair, Gavin Newsom, and I don't think this was political. Now, Gavin Newsom, remember, mayor of San Francisco and then the mayor, uh, governor of California said, hey, not in my state. Well, that's a little too early to guarantee it. And it's a little too early to say no. But I think what the president was doing was, again, a pep talk. And I don't think He's making people rely on you got to do this as an order. That would be stupid. Nobody can guarantee that. But all of these commissioners all said we'd like to get back as quickly as we can. And Adam Silver basically spoke for the group. He said, look, we were the first out and we want to be the first back in. And we understand what it's like to have events in spectatorless facilities. But let's see what we can do for spectator facilities. And again, what Governor Newsom was saying is, it ain't my call, probably not your call. It's the health officials' call, and not today. Wow. Uh, so um, let's talk about uh, the Hall of Fame a little bit uh, in basketball. Uh, it's finally a story that's not driven by coronavirus, but a great story, right? I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, I have to say that uh, this is one of my favorite places in all of sports. Yeah. Now, strangely enough. You know, I think most people, when they uh, talk about Hall of Fames, it's Cooperstown and Canton, right? I mean, those are, those are the ones. But for me, uh, I went to the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Mass. And I got to tell you, uh, first of all, I, like, didn't want to go. And second of all, uh, it was my son's birthday. And I'm like, what do I got to do here for this kid? Like, you can't please him. So I, I took I took my son, Gunner, and a bunch of his friends, and they were young, too. They were like, I think they were probably 10 at the time, and they were all like 10 years old or something, maybe 11. And uh, I took them all to, uh, I decided, I told their parents, I go, I'm going to take your kid, and I'm going to drive to Massachusetts. I'm going to get two giant suites combined door-to-door uh, -door in a hotel, and we're going to live like animals, and we're going to uh, go to the Basketball Hall of Fame for a day. But we're going to spend the night there, get up, hit the museum all day, and then drive home. So I did it, and I took like uh, eight kids and me, and uh, believe it or not, uh, my wife went as well, and daughter. So we all went, we packed into this car, this big truck, and we drove up there. We took two trucks. And uh, we went there, and I got to tell you, when I went in there, I was like, Jesus, how long is this going to take? Oh, how long are we going to be in here? And then I went in there, and I mean to tell you, I was there for 14 hours. I loved it. I was blown away. The stuff that I read and learned, I went around the place three times. And I mean to tell you, you couldn't drag me out of there. Not only that, 
the basketball Hall of Fame broadcast section is so kick-ass. You'll go in there. You need ice cream yeah. and pizza while you're there because you'll be in there for four hours. Love and it. all I know is they even had the ten foot or the nine foot, eight foot, seven foot rims you can dunk on. Yeah. Uh, and and they got basketball courts all over the place. And there's thousands of people playing basketball. It's the greatest experience ever. I love that place. I give that. Hall of Fame. It's like in a mall. It's embarrassing. It's like in the middle of nowhere in a shopping mall. And I mean to tell you, though, it's the greatest place I've ever been. And I thought it was better for me because I love basketball. Better for me than uh, Canton or Cooperstown. I'm looking around right now for the picture. It's somewhere messed up in all of this where you dunk and the rim is actually below you. And you got that picture taken. And you got the ball, and it really looks like you're dunking, right? And I'm sure you took that picture because right. that, when all the kids had took the same kind of picture. Love that place. So Tim Duncan, right? Eddie Sutton, obviously Kobe, um, Kim Mulkey, a, a Baylor, T- Tamika Catchings, uh, Patrick Bauman, uh, a FIBA executive. How about the big ticket? The big ticket, KG. Yeah, right. There you go. I mean, I missed, I missed the best for last, but. What they do, they do a really good job of spreading it out. So it's not just the NBA Hall of Fame, it's basketball Hall of Fame. So uh, of all those players, uh, you know, uh, I I have to say the guy that I was happiest for was Garnett. I just thought that that guy, you know, he won that title in 08 in Boston, defensive player of the year, uh, you know, moldable uh, all-star appearances, multiple all-defensive first team, second, third team, uh, and also a you know a parade All-American, McDonald's All-American, uh, led Farragut in Chicago I think to a state title in a 28 and two mark, and that was after he got accused of all kinds of uh, a racial. Uh, fight in South Carolina that made him transfer to Chicago for his senior year. And to be drafted right out of high school into the NBA when 13 teams lined up to watch this guy touching the top of the backboard in a pro day for a high school kid. And they saw this kid jump out of the gym, seven foot tall, 6'11 with his shoes off, 240 pounds. But then at that time, he was soaking wet, a buck 90. Uh, that he made it and made it to the Hall of Fame to me uh, with the way that guy played his ass off was the greatest story. And you know what else about him now, too, is not only after the Celtics uh, uh, championship, but he's elegant. Uh, it, it's, it's fun to watch him today because he's a very articulate spokesman for the NBA and for basketball because of all the stuff you just talked about. And uh, by the way, when I listed everybody, I left, I left out Rudy T. Sorry, Rudy T. Oh, do you remember when Rudy T got sucker punched by Kermit? Uh, yeah, that was a big deal, man. I remember that. Oh, yeah, of course. But uh, Sports violence, I was doing all that stuff. Was it right? Was it wrong? It was good TV. That's all I got to say. Hey, he won two titles back-to-back with uh, Hakeem the Dream, Houston. Yeah. 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 Right? And he got, he got his due. You know, hard to remember, but that was a great class. Not just because Kobe was in it, but it was a great class. And he didn't have to cheat like the Astros to win their title. Well, where'd that come from? But you're absolutely right. I guess we're talking about Houston. So that's a Pandora's box opener. Listen, I love the city of Houston, and I always will. It's a great place, great fans. I was on the radio there forever, and I was very popular there. And I will be moving forward with Coast to Coast and so on. But that has no bearing, absolutely zero bearing 
on how badly I think they're scum for cheating and lying through their teeth to this day. I still believe that they cheated not only that year, but for years after that. In 18 and 19, I believe they cheated all the way to the series against the Nationals. I will never believe a word that comes out of the mouth of anyone on that baseball team. Take the trophy away, yes or no? Absolutely. I think it's a, a mockery of a double sham, a travesty that they uh, and Manfred and his minions said it's not going to affect the outcome of them winning the World Series. It's a joke. And I believe that most baseball fans, which are allegedly all that matters to baseball and the commissioner, right? They do it all for the fans, they always say. Well, they're lying through their teeth with that one, too, because the fans have no say. Because if the fans had any say, if they let 300 million Americans vote on whether or not the Astros should be World Series champs in 2017, I guarantee you they would not be champions. So what about the Red Sox? They are just as bad. They're their lovers. They're just as bad. I got 40 seconds. Tell me I'm wrong. They're going to get it next, but they're not going to get half the punishment because nobody cares anymore because of the Pharrell-demic. Yeah, but the Pharrell-demic will be over. What about the hump side, the back side? What happens to them? They're going to get a slap on the wrist, and as usual, they'll be having their 19 games with the Yankees every year and back to business, but they're going to get bent over because sales arm fell off, they don't have their cheating manager, and Mookie Betts is gone, and they have nothing. No depth, no talent, no wins. So they got it coming to them just like they ought to. We'll continue with Rick Haro on Coast to Coast because we have a million things to talk about. And if we don't get to it soon, I'm going to be severely punished on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, back on Coast to Coast with Rick Harrow, our sports business and legal insider on Sports Grid. So uh, I want to talk about, uh, since we were kind of on baseball there for a second, I had nothing nice to say about people. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, fighting with people, uh, the Dodgers have been fighting with cable operators for almost, uh, well, I guess more than a half a decade. Uh, this brawl has been going on. Uh, in Southern California with uh, the Dodgers games being uh, blacked out. Spectrum Networks announced that they had a deal with AT&T to carry Sportsnet LA, the Dodgers. Uh, bottom line, what is that, DirecTV? They're going to finally carry him? Yeah. 
Yeah. And by the way, just to chronicle the fight, after Guggenheim bought the Dodgers, big deal, $2 billion, who knew? He had negotiated a 25-year TV rights contract for $8.35 billion. Spectrum's position was it was just trying to negotiate a fair deal with DirecTV. Spectrum yet to reach the agreement with SoCal cable providers. But the deal with AT&T bodes well for everybody in L.A. because it's the beginning. And by the way, the thing about the pandemic is everybody wants to get in line to let people watch events when they're available. So nobody wants to get caught up in this massive internal fight about when games are on and when they're not, when they're available. And so they're going to reach that deal. Good for them. Can you imagine that they didn't show Dodger games in Los Angeles unless you had Spectrum? How crazy is that? Yeah, well, it's all about a game of chicken. The problem of a game of chicken is, what is it? When the, what's the metaphor? When you cross the road, the chicken gets run over. <laughs> he can't develop the chicken again. So, so, And everybody talks about deadlines and how they deal with it. But these cable negotiations, when it reaches a deadline, you don't have a deal done. It's hard to go back. So um, let me ask you this question. Uh, three of the big four pro sports leagues could see a billion dollars in lost ad spending. I mean, explain yeah. that and why, um, you know, when content is king now on television and even radio, why are advertisers uh, hiding? They're, they're nowhere to be seen. Well, because they don't want to lose any more money because they're tied up in these rights deals. And the rights deals are live programming, you know, Yankees 3, Boston 2. The more you have shoulder programming about the mascots and the managers and all of that stuff, that's more, it's not more important, but it protects you against the downside. Who knew about this pandemic? So the NHL, by the way, uh, a little less because they're talking about numbers that were lost from March through May, about 120 million. Uh, NBA, about 839 million lost. That's a lot of money from March through May. And of course, MLB, only 60 million because the season had just gotten started. And so when they come back, they're going to be losing even more to make up. And again, they want to have as many games as they possibly can, even fanless games, because advertisers will be able to recoup some of their money from the television side of the deal, even if nobody's watching in the stadium. So here's a, a thought for you. Uh, there has been talk, and I'm certain of this, with the NHL that they would play games, fanless games, in North Dakota at some place they play all kinds of division uh, two and three uh, ice hockey championships at great building, great facility, great arena. And no one lives there. There's no people anywhere. It's just a barren in the middle of nowhere, allegedly a hockey rink that they think they can minimize contact with uh, apparently civilians. Uh, my question to you is this. Is there any chance in hell of this happening that the NHL would actually do a deal with their players and that the players union would allow this to happen, that they would go live in North Dakota in, I guess, isolation in some kind of quarantine where they would all live in, in this place, in this area and play games at this arena? Do you buy any of that? Well, here's what I buy. I buy that every one of the leagues has contingency plans that are talking about uh, games fully spectated games 
empty in home arenas and then games empty in neutral site arenas. Baseball, basketball, hockey, all looking at that. What the neutral sites are, you can think of that arena. I think it's in Sioux Falls. You can think about other arenas that are neutral site arenas that may or may not be near people where they live. But that is another contingency plan. I'm not sure moving everybody to North Dakota would solve the problem, but I will guarantee you that the NHL is looking at a lot of different stuff. Wow, that's crazy. Now, the NHL and Everfy are teaming up to offer parents free access remotely to a hockey themed curriculum for uh, little kids, what, like elementary and, and middle schools? What yeah, is that about? It's really cool. Let me tell you about it. Uh, Everfy is this uh, international technology company that drives change through education. And their goal is to offer curriculum that's interesting, unlike math curriculum when I was growing up and you grew up. I mean, the difference when you were growing up in math, I'm sure you were just find a way to like throw a rock at a teacher and some way to get expelled. I would have to suck it up and actually go to those uh, math courses. I threw spitballs, not <laughs> rocks at teachers. I threw rocks at cars with snowballs laced around them. Hey. I dropped out of logic at Northwestern. That's the only course I couldn't handle, man. And I just that, that you know, upside down you and whatever that was. Wait a minute. You went, so you went to undergrad at Northwestern and graduated at Harvard. How did it go? Harvard Law, but Northwestern undergrad? Yeah. Yeah. And I got a, I got one B at Harvard. At so my mother went to Northwestern and the music school for her graduate uh, work. She went to University of Michigan undergrad music school, then Northwestern grad school. Are you saying that you slept with my mother and that you no. could be my father? No, 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 no. God, God bless you. If, if I, you mean there's, there's part of, part of me and you? I think not. I, I think that would be a terrible thing. We're cutting this off right now. Can I we... look a lot better than you, so it can't be. I don't think so, man. No, you can't shoot like me. Can't play like me. So, hey, look. Here's the thing. I want to talk about Everfi. I don't know how I got into sleeping with your mother with this, but that only you could, only you could ask that kind of question. So, what Everfi did is they're saying. Here's what a slap shot looks like. Here's what a deflection looks like. Here's the angle. And basically learning math through kind of hockey players talking about how they play hockey. And this year, which is different because they've offered this for years, they're offering parents access. So they're saying, look, if I'm homeschooling and my uh, teacher's not around, I still want to be able to do this and I'll have the EverFi curriculum do it. I think it's really good. So uh, no Wimbledon, we know that. And, uh, you know, my son was going to London to, are, are you really going to start messing with the camera at this point? Are you gonna, just, listen, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like this is, this is what's going to happen next. That you're not, I know you're not going to start touching the camera in the middle of the show. Like, if there's anything that bothers these people more than the camera adjustment, I don't know what it is. Carver High right now is stalking in his room and throwing things. So do me a favor, sit back and read Pharrell and Lax. Sit back, just sit back. Now I don't even want to talk about Wimbledon. So here's the deal. My son was going to go to Wimbledon because he was going to London this summer to hang out with my nephew, Carbomb. That's the nickname we gave him. Uh, appropriate, considering nice. some of the relations that people have with London and various other cities of touristic nice. uh, repute. Uh, we all know what happens in, in these big cities like Paris and London and yeah. New York. So uh, my son was going to go to Wimbledon. I guess that's all out the window now, too. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, and 
the whole Wimbledon, stick around, watch the British Open, out the window. If I'm hanging around with or if I'm named Carbomb, I'd stay in the house. They have insurance, though, to cover their losses, Wimbledon. At least they're smart. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why they're canceling versus postponing. You show me an event that is postponing and trying to figure out how to shoehorn it in later, and I'll show you an event that doesn't have a lot of insurance. Uh, the WNBA will have their draft anyway, April uh, 17. That's like, uh, that's next week, in the, I think next Wednesday, right, or Thursday? Well, yeah, and the NFL is having its draft at the end of that week, too. So remember when the draft used to be Chris Berman with the big glasses and the weird... I think the NFL would be the following week. I think that would be the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, correct? So this would be, the WNBA would actually be next week. Uh, WNBA is 11 days from, well, it, because we're taping and we're running this. Yeah. So the WNBA first and then the NFL, the point is they'll have something in common, which is you don't have to televise crowds to have a successful draft. And WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert says, we're going to have a great event and we're going to do it as a television production. We'll have minimum studio people there and we're going to run a great event. So that's the way it's going to be. And it may be that the NFL picks up some tips from what the WNBA does. How do you think the uh, WNBA is doing in this country? Uh, it's okay for the niche that it has, and you're not worried about it being surviving or not, primarily because it's great alternative summer programming for NBA owners who control their arenas. Okay, uh, I want to talk about I want to talk about beer now, which is very important that we talk about uh, Budweiser. Cold Budweiser, Anheuser Busch is uh, shifting their budget uh, from sports uh, and entertainment to support relief efforts across the country for the COVID nineteen pandemic. So they're basically uh, going this buds for you to all the first responders. Is that about right? Yeah, and Nick Kelly, who I know well and have done interviews with, he is the VP of partnerships at Anheuser-Busch, basically says we're converting our tour uh, offices, Merrimack, New Hampshire, Fort Collins, Colorado, obviously St. Louis, into media airtime that's being donated there and blood drives. So they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're making a $5 million donation to the American Red Cross. They're going to be instrumental in COVID recovery in their headquarters of St. Louis and in other places. So other corporations are joining this, but it's a great effort by AB. Nike and Adidas, very popular with influencers. I never thought I would say that word uh, on any show, let alone care about them. Uh, it's very important to be apparently an influencer now in the world. Well, you're an influencer. You just didn't know it, and you were incapable of using that word before. But now you are, and you do. So congratulations. 300,000 mentions from U.S. influencers in 2019, Nike and Adidas leading that space. And if you take a look at how this all works all over the world, of course, pre-pandemic, France, Germany, UK, a lot of places, these are big companies that have a great following. A lot of uh, NFL teams, uh, at least a fifth of them, are uh, doing uniform changes for 2020. 
Yeah, and a lot of the teams are getting pushback. I guess the Rams look more like the Chargers now and that mustard green or mustard yellow or whatever it is. So, look, part of a uniform is to inspire some discussion and change. Even if you don't like it, people are doing their thing. And uh, Kevin Demoff, who runs the Rams and is a good friend, is focusing on how to get some new stuff done. Frankly, if I'm the Rams and the Chargers, I think about that new SoFi Stadium and the Taylor Swift concert, which is scheduled for July 23. I don't know if it's been called off yet or not, but I think that's one of the many um, casualties uh, of what's happening with the pandemic. We talked about Wimbledon, now top tech. How about virtual tennis? Not only is it cool, but you can bet on it. Yeah, and problem with betting on tennis years ago was there was a lot of discussion about fixing matches, especially the lower-level matches. Now, there's a bigger discussion. $46 billion gambling industry, and they get to hear your buddy. By the way, Sharapova retired. I know where you're going with this. And so, <laughs> right? I know where you're going with it. What Listen, are you going to be able to do? She's gone, man. Well, I think that they uh, cheat in tennis, and that's just all there is to it. And the betting has been corrupt in tennis, and everybody knows it, and uh, that's just all there is to it. But uh, I can't imagine there'd be uh, dirty virtual betting in tennis if there's, you know, dirty betting on real tennis. Imagine what they would do with virtual tennis. How about I finally get a sleep with Sugar Pova in a virtual world? How about that? I'm not sure. That's 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 not uh, betting or virtual. That is. Uh, 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 in uh, unable to be accomplished fantasy. That's what that is. You can't even get it out. Ice Cube and uh, the Big Three are partnering with Big Brother. What are they doing there? Yeah, Ice Cube is a big deal, and he's also a big deal in the sports world, uh, a mixture of reality TV and sports. The Big Brother producers are creating a basketball tournament that focuses the lives of players off the court. And so it's sports and reality TV. As this all happens, they're trying to get it done during this time where people will watch anything. And Ice Cube's been a pretty good, interesting ball player. And of course, the big three has been this three on three company that's been working really hard to try to put together their own franchise. By the way, you realize that the Summer Olympics not only has regular basketball, but three on three basketball this next year in Tokyo? I did know that. I think that's awesome. I got 90 seconds respectfully. What is the NFL and EA Sports doing together to uh, raise money for people? They're talking about virtual, but they're also talking about the idea of bringing an opportunity where Madden is driving the platform to bring extra money into COVID-19. Madden has a Twitch channel and the NFL Foundation and EA are making donations, 5,000 per event, up to 25,000 per event. And they're using their existing superstars to help generate money, which is a big, big, big deal. I got 30 seconds. What is the power of sports South Carolina in a nutshell? Well, it's the interviewing of Kevin Harvick and the opening up of a field, uh, Group 1001, Dan Towers, the Ripken Senior Foundation. And, you know, we're doing our power sports show every month, and this is a big deal to not only celebrate South Carolina sports, but opening up the Kevin Harvick Group 1001 Cal Ripken Foundation field in Charlotte as a benefit to not only North Carolina, but South Carolina as well. 
I wonder how Harvick's doing in the virtual NASCAR racing. I got five seconds. I think he's doing all right, uh, and I don't know. All right. Don't know, uh, don't know what Rick, hear from me, or I don't know. Great stuff, Rick Haro. Uh, appreciate you. Thanks for coming on Coast to Coast. See you next week. See you next week, my friend. There he is, Rick Haro, sports business and legal insider from Harvard on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.